We all know that it is Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the only God, the only living God. Christians all over the world are celebrating Jesus' resurrection today. And of course we are too. Most are telling the story of Easter Sunday morning when Mary Magdalene encountered the risen Jesus. Disciples running here and there trying to figure out what happened. An angel announcing, he is not here. He is risen. The story of that first Easter Sunday. Today I'm going to talk about the mess that required Jesus to die and be resurrected. The backstory, if you will. What happened that was so horrific that the only thing that could save us was the Son of God? The only thing that could restore was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our teaching series here at Bethel, we have been exploring this book called Romans. It is a wonderful and sobering, sobering description of the problem in its solution. Paul says our problem, church, isn't our health. It isn't our family, and it is not our finances. Our problem is God, specifically that he is holy and righteous and we are not. Why is that so important? Because God's justice requires punishment for moral failure. But what is the solution? The solution is the death of the Son of God on the cross and his resurrection on the third day. Church, if that is the solution, how bad is the problem? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 24. When you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say wait a minute. All right, you got one second. All right, you're done. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged, because they exchanged, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I like to think that Paul would have just preached right there. When he got to that end right there, he was getting ready to take off. I want to lift this thought and imperative for our consideration this morning. And I want to tag this message, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. There was a pastor back in the early 20th century by the name of James Warren Jones. He was born in 1931 and rose to prominence right here in the United States of America. It was in the late 1960s he was ordained as disciples of Christ pastor and became nationally notarized as the founder and pastor of the People's Temple. It would be in the era when they were still rocking bell bottoms and afros. In 1978, that media reports confirmed that human rights violations were actually taking place at the People's Temple Jonestown Gahiney headquarters. It was Leo Ryan, 
the 11th District of California congressman who went to perform the nation's investigation into the People's Temple. And when he was leaving with some of the defectors, he was shot and killed as he was boarding the airplane. It was after that that Jones committed a mass murder-suicide of nearly a thousand of his own followers. Imagine that, a pastor poisoning his own congregation. Oh, you heard his name, Jim Jones. He had committed suicide by having them drink a cyanide lace Kool-Aid. This is where we get the phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid. And as terrifying and horrific and heinous as that is, our verse today reminds us that poisonous Kool-Aid drinking did not start with Jim Jones. Mankind has been drinking spiritual poisonous Kool-Aid ever since the serpent offered it to Adam and Eve. Now, you may recall Satan offered Eve a chance to replace God. Of course, like all deadly Kool-Aid, he served a lie mixed with truth. Isn't that something? They exchange a truth for a lie. Unfortunately, mankind has been exchanging God for other things ever since, and humanity has been downspiraling, bringing about our own damnation. But I came to tell you this morning, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Oh, I'm going to preach to you this morning. Nothing is more mind-boggling than humanity's dedication to its own destruction. Friends, it is clear we have all drank the Kool-Aid. How, Dexter? By exchanging God for created things. Let me say that again. It may have went over your head. By exchanging God for created things. Oh, my brothers and my sisters, that poisonous Kool-Aid could be coursing through your veins this Easter morning. I love the way Paul puts it in verse 25. If you drop your eyes down there, Paul words it this way. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Now, if we were to be honest and to drop our mask this morning, I know, I know it's Easter and you're dressed up and you're not as holy as you look this morning. We were to be honest, we all at some point in steel, we exchange God for something lesser. Now, the word exchange means to give one thing and receive another. When I exchange, I give up something to receive another. Usually, you want to come up when you do that. We all have had our fair share of exploring what this world has to offer at the expense of exchanging God. Squeezing creation for all that it has until we swallowed the last drop. Some of us have tried to find happiness in parties, in alcohol, in roasting. For you guys who don't know what roasting is, it's talking about people. A.K.A. bacon. You don't get your barbecue, that stuff. Yeah. Laughing and carrying on. Some of us have pursued happiness and what we can accomplish or setting our life on finishing a project. Some of us have tried to find happiness in accumulating wealth in possessions. 
Others have tried to find happiness in sexual pleasure. And what has been the conclusion of all these pursuits? Some have tried it in the little thrills of love. Does your joy remain after the last drop of Hennessy or wine? It does not. The problem comes surfacing right back up. Do you feel complete after that sorority party? And how could you complete a project at work and not feel complete yourself? Sex partner after sex partner still empty. What is that horrible feeling in, in, in a knowing voice inside of me that says there has got to be more than this? Surely these things cannot be an end within themselves. A couple weeks ago, I quoted the actor and rapper Ludacris. You guys know who Ludacris is. He says, I got an empty hole in my chest, and how do I fill it? Why are we so empty? It would be, frankly, Frankie Beverly. You guys know who Frankie is, right? I'm talking about Frankie Frankie. Frankie Beverly, you guys, oh, y'all going to act like y'all don't know who he is. Some of y'all was listening to him on the way to church this morning. That's why you're so happy. It would be frankly Beverly that would pin the complexities of love and life in his song, Joy in Pain. How come the things that make us happy make us sad? Well, it seems to me that joy and pain are like sunshine in, come on somebody, I knew you guys been listening to that V103. You ain't been on 102.3 all your life. I'm going to tell the truth on you this morning. We live in the richest country in the world. Why so empty? Paul diagnoses the problem with humanity when he says, we exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship the creature or creation. What does that have to do with anything, Paul? Paul is saying mankind has drank the Kool-Aid. Instead of worshiping God, we worship other things as if they were God. We prefer creation over the creator. Silly, right? How do you exchange God? The almighty, infinite, invaluable, incomprehensible, immutable God, Yahweh, Jehovah, Jireh. God is my provider. Adonai, Lord and Master, El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty. You know the God of the Old Testament and of the New Testament. How do you exchange God for creation? Do you exchange 100 for 20? Do you exchange a Ferrari for Cole's Pesa? Come on, some of the uh, Martin people up in here. Do you exchange your children for action figures? Why then does man exchange God for his creation? That's only one reason. We have believed a lie that creation is greater than God. Maybe that went over your head. Let me see if I can park my car at your house. You remember in the first grade 
they used to teach us these signs. They were called greater and lesser signs. You know, you had to learn the greater and lesser and then the little equal sign. And the teacher, in order to help you understand greater and lesser in the direction that the sign would go, the teacher said, picture the sign as an alligator. Now, the side that the mouth of the alligator is open on is pointing towards what? The greater side. And she said, that's because the alligator want to get all it can eat. The issue with mankind is we have taken that sign and we have turned it towards sin. And we've been eating sin and consuming sin and saying that creation is better than God. We're honest. We exchange God every day for some fleeting pleasure and lesser things. We call this worship. If you don't know what worship is, worship means uh, not what some of us think. Some of us think it's just singing or bowing down to carved images. It's more than that. What happens when we replace God for things? The answer is in verse 25. He says, we worship and serve the creature. What are you talking about, Paul? To worship something is to place your deepest allegiance in it. To worship something is to place your deepest hopes in it. To worship something is to find your deepest joy in it. The object calms your deepest fears. When you worship something, you are giving your very life to it. I don't care who you are in this room, white, black, brown, purplish green. Make sure I got everybody. Did I miss anybody? All right. I don't want to be accused of leaving anybody out. But it doesn't matter your ethnicity. God has created human beings to be worshipers. That is our identity. It is the inclination of our hearts. We can't help but to worship. Therefore, some boys care more about their cars than their babies. And some people will lose everything before they lose that boyfriend or that girlfriend. Oh, I'm talking to you this morning. Or some people will kill you over their money. They worship those things. Oh, you just identify your own. You may be looking at your neighbor, but you got your own thing that you worship this morning. That thing becomes the bottom line for you. Church, we make a good thing into a God thing. I'm going to say that again. We are so prone to make a good thing into a God thing. Money could be good. Having a girlfriend or a boyfriend can be good. Having a husband and wife is good. Pursuing your career is good. I'm not coming against that. The issue is, is when it takes the place of God. Do you feel the poison in your veins yet? Do you taste the Kool-Aid yet? If we are to be honest, we struggle with this. Most of our lives, if we were to look at it and take an examination or edit, it would say money over God, sex over God, politics over God, work over God, children over God, porn over God, drugs over God. And what is it doing to us but killing us? Now, someone might object. Now, hold fast, Pastor. I don't cut God out of my life. Oh, I acknowledge the man upstairs. I know you do, but you don't worship him the way you worship those things that you're dedicated to. We call this 
idolatry. Idolatry is anything that takes the place of God. It could be good things that take the place of God, and it's called idolatry. The first command, thou shalt have no other gods, what? Before me. You know you don't break any other commands until you break that first one. In order for you to break the rest, you got to put something before him. You got to give your allegiance and your dedication to something else. We exchange God for creation. And what is God's response? to this. What does God do? God says, you want it? Have at it. Look at verse 24. He says, therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Church, idolatry is no game. When we choose creation over the creator, God gives us up to this impoverished way. This is part of God's wrath when humanity says, God, we can do just fine without you. When we say, God, life would be better without you. God responds in judgment and says, okay, have at it. You haven't seen evil at its worst until you've seen God's grace removed. You haven't seen the greatness of evil yet. The book of Revelation speaks about it. It's coming when God will move himself out of the way and let evil have its place. Essentially, what idolatry does is leave us empty. Longing, wanting, hungry, greedy. It opens us up to all kinds of evil. We are restless without God. Seeing, but not seeing. Hearing, but not hearing. Eating, but never satisfied. So what happens is we become takers instead of givers. I don't care about you. If you have something that can add to my enjoyment, give it to me. The last thing you want in the center of your life is yourself. No one will do more harm to Dexter than Dexter Harris himself. No one. We get mad at everybody else besides ourselves. You done did more damage to yourself than anybody else has ever done to you. Be struggling with forgiving yourself. The root of all disorder. Sexual and social and physical and emotional is rooted in this. Mankind has exchanged the glory of God for other things. Let me say that again. The root of all disorder, sexual, social, physical, and emotional, is rooted in this. That mankind has exchanged the glory of God for other things. Let me help you understand. Do you know what keeps our solar system in perfect orbit? Saturn, Venus, Jupiter, Earth, etc. It is a massive sun in the middle of it. The sun is so big. I mean, get this. It is so big that you can fit 1,300,000 Earths inside of it. That's a really, really big planet. Whoever made that, I don't want to mess with him. I just don't want to mess with him. Like, he made that, I'm leaving him alone. 
I'm not going to win that fight. It's just not going to happen. And then he got stars bigger than that. Now, the gravity and weight of the sun holds the planets together, causing them to orbit and remain in their proper place. Do you know what happens if the sun is removed from the center of our galaxy? The planets will go in chaos. They will collide and start bumping up against each other. Well, my brothers and my sisters, that's the issue with your life. God is like the center. And the moment you remove him from the center of your life, the planets in your life begin to go into chaos. I'm talking about the planet of love. I'm talking about your parent planet. I'm talking about your emotional planet. They begin to collide. But I'll tell you this, you put God back in the middle and 10,000 problems will go away. God not being in the center of the solar system is not just an effect on our individual lives, but it is an effect on all of us globally. Christianity is not here to just solve your individual problems. The cross is much bigger than you. It is much bigger than you. It is here to reconcile the entire world to, uh, to God. The entire world is in disarray, decaying, and moving towards what? Destruction. Talking to Ken the other day, and he was telling me about amongst young people, there's a, a, an incredible increase in suicide. Young people taking their lives because God is not in the center of the solar system. Fatherless homes increasing. Injustice in the world. Every time you turn the TV on, there's another school shooting. Mass murders going crazy. The further we get away from God, the more insane we become. And it is clear without question that something is wrong. And to top it all off, our health is failing us. And in 150 years, we'll all be dead. Happy Easter. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? Like, bro, like in 150, I'm gone. Some of us ain't even got that much longer. Tomorrow's not promised. All of that because mankind chose to exchange God for creation. We downgrade it to eternal damnation. If you're going to exchange, you better come up. We came way down. Way, 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 way down. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. That is eternal separation from God forever in hell. Well, church, that's pretty bad news. We left there. Be no celebrating today. A world of chaos, death, decay all around us, and damn to eternal hell. God could have just closed the history book and allowed us to perish. But church, I hear echoing through the corridors of church history that old song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
Oh, you know that old phrase, that phrase that resonates with our soul. That phrase that the old preachers used to brag about. It has two words, but God. Come on, somebody. If it wasn't for God, there will be no hope. There'll be no joy. There'll be no, there'll be no peace. But that phrase, but God, had a solution for the consequences of our exchange. God fixes our exchange by making his own exchange. If you knew the weight of what I just said, God cancels our exchange by making his own exchange. Namely, he exchanges Jesus for us. He exchanges Jesus for us. Thanks be to God for his exchange. Thanks be to God for Adam's redeemer. Thanks be to God for the heavy load bearer, the rose of Sharon. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. All right, so that you get it. God makes an exchange. We exchange God for creation. God steps in and he exchanges the eternal Son of God for you. And he cancels the debt. Jesus drinks the Kool-Aid for you. He drinks the damnation for you. This is what he says. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You got to love the obedience of Jesus. Perfect obedience. I don't want to go through. You know half of y'all would have walked away from that situation. What? How long them nails? You want to run that by me again, brother? Did you say six inches? If they was four inches, maybe. But six inches, I can't do six inches. I can't do six inches. I'm not going to be able to do that. God sends Jesus, exchanges him for us. And what happens? The father exchange meant Jesus in our place. Good Friday, this is what Ken talked about. Barabbas exchanged for Jesus. We're nothing but a bunch of Barabbases in the place. (laughs) Thieves and murderers, disobedient children is all that God dies for. Jesus exchanges his righteousness for our sinfulness. He exchanges his life for our death. Why such a great exchange, God? Why the eternal God for mortal humans? Because when we exchange God, we incurred an eternal debt. And so we needed an eternal payment, namely Jesus. And therefore, he hung his head and he died. And he said, it is finished. Done. Oh, church, but on the other end of God's exchange was a pleasant surprise. 
On the other end of God's exchange was a pleasant surprise. There was a surprise in the cemetery. Can you believe they got up, they went to the cemetery, and a body was missing. They went there, they said, I don't know what happened. He was here on Friday. When we got here today, he wasn't here any longer. But hold on, because I was getting ready to shout myself. But come to find out that that, that the cemetery wasn't the only one missing something that day. Satan was missing his keys to death. He said, I know I left them somewhere around here early Friday morning. I had them. I don't know where they are. And I was getting ready to shout like you. And then I kept digging a little further. And I found out not only was the cemetery missing something, not only was Satan missing something, but death was missing its power. Death said, I know. I left my power somewhere around here. And all of a sudden, I don't have it anymore. I stood on my feet as well when I was in the mirror preaching this thing. And I answered my own altar call. But check it out. Let me back up for a minute. Because I found out not only was the cemetery missing something. Not only was Satan missing something. Not only was death missing something. Sin was missing its stinger. Oh, sin said, I left my stinger somewhere around here but I don't know where I put it oh death where is your victory oh grave where is your victory Jesus Christ has won it all but hold on I got excited too because I said whoa they're missing four things you guys remember Lion King don't you you remember Lion King Mufasa's boy you know what I'm talking about there is a bamboo monkey in there by the name of Rafiki, you remember Rafiki, crazy old wise bamboo, just hanging out in trees and stuff. And one day a east wind comes in. He grabs something out of the air. He throws it into the boat. He begins to stir. And all of a sudden he finds out that the king is not dead. He finds out that Simba is not dead. And what does he say? Simba is alive. The king is alive. He starts dancing in the field. He started painting on the tree because he knew that the king wasn't dead yet. But hold on. I was getting ready to shout too. And then I found out something else. Did you know that Rafiki was not just shouting because the fact that the king was alive? Oh, no. Rafiki was shouting for more than just the king was alive because the king being alive has implications because Simba is alive. Pride land is alive because Simba is alive. Nala is alive because Simba is alive. Scar is defeated because Simba is alive. The hyenas are defeated. Oh, I didn't come to tell you, though. I didn't come to speak about Simba. I came to preach to you about the lion of Judah, a greater lion. Oh, yeah. King Jesus. I came to talk to you about King Jesus this morning. Did you know that Jesus is alive? He's alive and well. If you knew what that meant, you will stand to your feet and you will praise him too. Because Jesus is alive. I'm alive. Because Jesus is alive. Creation has hope. Because Jesus is alive. Satan is defeated. Because Jesus is alive. The demons are defeated. Because Jesus is alive. Death doesn't have to rule anymore. Because Jesus is I wish I had somebody that knew what it was to celebrate the name of Jesus.
Now hold on. That's enough for us to lose our minds and to go over. But I want you to have some substance when Satan comes at you tomorrow. So let me tell you what the death of Jesus means. Sit down for a second. I almost got you out of here. I only got a few of them. I would give you all of them, but we'll be here until eternity. And some of us have passed away because we only got 150 years. And so I don't have that much time. Now check it out. Jesus being dead caused the ripple effects of exchanges. Not only does God exchange Jesus for us when he does that. Spiritual death is exchanged for spiritual life. When Jesus dies, my condemnation is exchanged for my justification. When he rose from the dead, God exchanged us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. When, when Jesus died, God exchanged our decaying bodies for resurrected bodies. How many people, you can't wait on your new body. You know you tired of that body you got on right now. You can't wait till God give you those new teeth. And the... Come on. The health insurance don't cover everything, man. I'm banking on eternity. I ain't walking away from Jesus till I get my teeth. I'm going nowhere. Be right here. You feel me? But not only that, Jesus rising, he now offers us an exchange. You can exchange your poisonous Kool-Aid for a cup of living water. You can exchange... Your poisonous cup of Kool-Aid for living water. You remember, don't you, in John chapter 4, Jesus pulls up at the woman at the well. When he finds her, her life is a hot mess. You know when Jesus found you, your life was a hot mess. When Jesus ran into the woman at the well, she didn't, she wasn't on her first marriage. She wasn't on her second marriage. She wasn't on her third marriage. She wasn't on her fourth marriage, but she was on her fifth marriage. She had found her joy in man. Man became the center of her universe. And when Jesus walks up to her, he says, you came here for physical water, but I parked my car next to you because I got something that you need. You need living water. And if you knew who was talking to you, you exchange that Kool-Aid for this living water. For those who believe in me, living water shall well up in the inside of them. The team is coming back at this time. You know, church, you can exchange that poisonous drink for living drink. He didn't just get up so that we can sing he is alive. He got up with implications for us. Implications that are true every single day. You too can dance. Like Rafiki, if you want to. The good news is that Jesus is alive. Why have poisonous Kool-Aid when you can have living water? So excuse me this morning if I come across too excited. If I come across too, too, uh, so thrilled, it is because my God has changed me. He took my planets, 
placed himself in the middle of Dexter Harris' solar system, my love life got in place. My marriage got in place. Things began to get in place when God became the center of my life. And I got a feeling this morning, some of us may be going through it. We may be jacked up and messed up, but Jesus wants you. Oh, Jesus wants the jacked up and messed up. He wants the sinner. He wants those on the fringes of society. Jesus wants you this morning. And if you would come to him, if you would drop that old cup and pick up this new cup, oh, he'll give you eternal life.